all the way from Sacramento, California. It's our Oz American, our brother from another mother. We're welcoming back to the show, Mr. Brian Carey. How are you, sir? How's it? How's it? <laughs> and also uh, to my right today, we have a guest, your guest host. Yeah, your guest host. Contributor? Uh, a guest contributor. Mr. Adam Grunstein, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, T. Good to be here. Adam will be talking today, whatever that qualifies him as. I guess something. I haven't worked it out yet. Um, but I've, uh, yeah, so Phil's, uh, Phil is still on the men's from his, from his surge. And uh, Adam has gone to Melbourne to reconnect with his parents-in-law. And uh, they're going to see their baby granddaughter for the first time in about six and a half months now that the border restrictions are down. Um, so we thought we'd chat to Brian, connect again, find out what's going on in the United States of America. There's been a lot since we last spoke, which was about a week before the election. Um, and we were in a pretty dark space then. Um, and I feel like we're probably in a bit of a lighter space, but obviously there's still a lot of shit going on, which we'll, which we'll talk about. But I think probably more importantly, before we go on, it's, we should find out what we're drinking. Um, Absolutely. We're I mean, let's cover the heavy topics first. All right. Um, well, let's. Why don't we start? Because it's it's actually two fifteen p.m. on a Sunday afternoon, mm. and we are drinking. Adam and I are drinking Distillers Select Woodford Reserve Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Nice. Um, Good choice. I I think uh, I think my boss gave this to me for my fortieth birthday because it says Happy Birthday on it. Tristan Friedman at the back. <laughs> <laughs> So that's pretty cool. What was your first clue? <laughs> and it was made, this was bottled in, well, that's the ironic thing. It was actually bottled in March, 1990. So it's, uh, it's 30 years old, not 40, but I like to think of myself as a somewhat 30, 40 year old with a 30 year old's brain. True mm. mm-hmm. story. Uh, I've actually been to the Woodford Distillery Reserve, uh, the Reserve Distillery, I should say. Ah, in and uh, in Kentucky, in Kentucky, and uh, had a great time. Had a great time with a uh, friend of the pod, Gavin Shapiro. <laughs> is he a friend of the pod? Friend of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like I like where your head is at, and I had initially considered going with a bourbon because that's typically my go-to. But in light of the decisions that you made last year or on the last podcast, I thought that I would ease into this with you and go with the Deschutes IPA right mm, here. Wow. But it doesn't mean that I won't be into some whiskey by the end of this thing. What uh, What's it called? Deschutes? Deschutes. Deschutes and scores. IPA. Deschutes. Is, that a, is that a Californian? Uh, yeah, no, it's not. I think it's uh, from Oregon, actually. Yeah, and yeah. Oregon, shout out to Oregon. Oregon's got a great beer scene. So, I mean, definitely not California, but definitely worth checking out. But now that's a good, that's probably a good segue into our conversation. Wasn't Oregon filled with leftists who just wanted to destroy the country? Oh, still are. I mean, it's the whole West Coast. I mean, we're basically, we're just here to wreak havoc upon everything. Don't they, aren't they the greatest threat to American democracy? Mm. Oregonians? Absolutely. Bunch of tree huggers. Oregon, Oregon is such a great state, man. Like shout out to Oregon for real. I have family up there. I spent a ton of vacations on the Oregon coast. Uh, such a great state. So all this crap with the protests and all the people, you know, claiming that there's just a bunch of hell raisers out there. It's such a lot of shit, but whatever. That's what you get from state run television. I wanted to go there on a trip uh, when I was in, it was in the States. I think I actually looked at flying from like Sacramento to Portland and, and it was still, you forget how big that coastline is. It was still a two hour flight or something like that from Sacramento. Barely. Hour and a half, hour 45, easy flight. Or maybe I was in LA or something like that. And it was still yeah, like- that's probably right. And it was expensive too, so I never went. But 
Anyway, uh, I've heard it's beautiful. Well, see, come to Sacramento, hang out here, then we'll fly up to Oregon, we'll do some damage, we'll go out, riot, burn things, do all the things that apparently we do in Oregon. <laughs> yeah. So, you people know this, home of the world champion uh, Portland Trailblazers. The world champion Portland Trailblazers. They haven't been close. <laughs> yeah, <yet. so. laughs> yeah. Shout out Portland. No, really, uh, Portland is an amazing city, man. Great place to go drink, eat, be merry. Uh, really pretty city, very walkable. Uh, we went out there for a little family vacation uh, uh, last year sometime, maybe during the summer. Very, very cool state. And that wraps up our Portland, Oregon podcast. Thank you, Brian, for joining <laughs> us. Um, <laughs> No, so okay, so let's 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 get into the in, into the into the serious stuff. So, how are you feeling, mate, about the election? What's wh- where are you at? Well, I'm not in a bunker, so that's a good spot. That's true. Um, we thought you might be. I thought I might be underground, man. Um, obviously, you know the the reign of Don the Con, aka Diaper Don, aka. <laughs> I'm never going to golf if I'm president and then proceeds to golf for almost a full year of his four years of presidency, mm-hmm. um, AKA Trumple thin skin. Um, <laughs> this time is coming to an end. So we're so not I'm running all these down. You're like, uh, you're at the tribunal reading all the names for Jonah, Jonah and the giant jack off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, um, you know, in seriousness, the most amazing thing about this year was the was the participation, the fact that a record number of Americans turned out to vote um, on both sides, uh, to be fair. But, he, you know, Biden got, what, 70 million plus votes, which is incredible. He's up to 80 now. Yeah. Is he up to 80? That's, you know, whatever it is. That's, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, he is up to 80. Um, honestly no 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 excuses needed if you kind of all gave up watching so this shit show i i you were stopped watching a long time ago i'd completely understand that yeah well i went to bed thinking that it was over um trump had a lead and i knew that a lot of mail-in votes still needed to come in and i knew that you know it was it wasn't time to panic yet but waking up the next day and seeing how the the votes had changed overnight as the mail-in votes were counted was a, uh, a great relief. And then just watching how it's played out since then. And then to be honest, just watching him lose over and over again has been absolutely <laughs> brilliant. And so I don't know if you saw about Wisconsin, but he paid $3 million for a recount and, and Biden ended up with like 132 more votes. <laughs> so <laughs> These little things are just fun to watch because he's such a fucking schmuck. So you know, just it's keep on ridiculous. losing, keep on losing. So it's going to be a minute. Be, the country's not going to just automatically reunite now um, more than ever. It's still a very divided country, but I think uh, level-headed Americans stepped up. They did their civic duty and we voted him out of office. So we'll see how he goes out. Um, I have no doubt that he's going to go kicking and screaming and it's probably going to do a lot of damage on his way out, but hopefully somehow we can mitigate that. Brian, were you surprised that he did as well as he did, uh, considering the polls showed that the margin was ostensibly going to be a little wider than it ended up being. Were you surprised that he he's now almost up to 74 million votes nationally and did pretty well in the, in the various swing states? I'm not surprised, saddened. I think saddened would be the word, embarrassed, disgusted. Um, a lot of other words, not surprised. I knew that, I mean, his people, it's a cult. Uh, they are loyal as all get out. They will go through any to any length to vote for him. And they're still out there. I mean, I'm driving up to Tahoe last weekend and there's these clowns up on the overpasses waving Trump flags. Like they just will not give it up. Um, so that's, you know, it's 
it's what you see in a, in a wannabe dictator and an autocrat. Um, he is he's really rallied them to be more of a cult than an actual political party. So I knew they were going to come out. Um, and I just had to hold out hope that the rest of America would see the danger that we were in and step up and get it done. And and they did, thankfully. Have you had any conversations with anyone on, uh, you know, who, who would have voted for Trump or I mean that and that and, you know, as a little disclaimer that that's what I would have loved to have had today was someone who sort of sits on the other side. I mean, it's what I said about our last um, potty, but reality is I just don't know that many people who do sit on the other side um, or provide significant different views. But have you spoken to anyone um, who's got a different perspective on it from your, from your side and your circles? Not really, man. And the saddest part about all this is this is the first time in my life that I really can't talk to somebody about yeah. this. Um, it is, it's too hot. It's, it's way too political. We're living in two very different realities. So you can't even really have a conversation right now uh, because they're claiming that the election was stolen, that, you know, somehow Biden went from being this senile old man who couldn't fight his way out of a paper bag mm -hmm. to this mastermind who orchestrated this massive mm -hmm. election fraud. Um, and the story changes from the right every day. So it's just, it's not even worth discussing anymore. And, and sadly, you know, I've stopped talking to some people uh, just because this wasn't about politics. This was about right and wrong. And some people have really shown their colors and the things that they've stood up for. And, and I just didn't want to have that in my circle anymore. So when, when people show you, there's a, there's a famous quote, and I, for the life of me, I can't remember who said it, but something along the lines of when people show you who they are, believe them because they know themselves better than you. Um, I, I suppose, I, I guess, and I think I meant- Maya Angelou. I think it was Maya Angelou. <laughs> I think, I think doubt it's my Angela. I think when we last spoke, yeah, I think one of the things I said was that, uh, you know, regardless, of, like, I didn't know anyone who thought Trump was a great guy. I just knew people who said they liked Trump for some policies that they have mm -hmm. in place, right? For example, and this is maybe a question to you, Adam. Um, I do have a couple of friends who were probably more supportive of Trump because of his and his government stance on Israel. Mm -hmm. So I suppose that to me was the, the thing about you're not able to, you're able to almost bend what you expect from a person in terms of character and leadership. That's if exactly right. A couple of things were okay to you, but I think the greater good really gets hurt. Uh, and Adam, what's your view on that whole, or what's your view on the Israel stance and, and also where that leaves? I think uh, a lot of people who support Trump, who might know better, uh, are able to compartmentalize the character issues versus the policy issues. So they can put away questions, legitimate questions about his character and his, uh, his prior statements, you know, his prior thoughts on women, on minorities. That's less relevant than it is to be essentially pro-Israel. And what does pro-Israel mean? I think in Trump's case, it's rhetorically pro-Israel. He pays lip service to those sorts of things. He gets along with Israel's prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. He appointed ambassadors and representatives to Israel who, who are very much in um, simpatico, I should say, with, uh, with the, the mind of the uh, diaspora, the Jew Jews in diaspora and the Israeli public. And um, that matters. And that, 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 that's not marginal. That actually does matter. Now, in America, it's a bit different because most Jews going back 40, 50 years do vote for Democrats. But evangelical Christians care about that stance. And evangelical Christians are a big part of Donald Trump's base. Agreed. And again, this goes back to compartmentalizing character. Character matters less. You'd think matters less. You'd think that evangelical Christians would care about his stances towards women and his prior... His prior uh, 
pro-abortion stance, but that's that matters less when you consider what he's able to put forward now as president. You know, he's anti-abortion now. He's appointed three justices to the Supreme Court that are anti-abortion and pro-freedom of religion. And when you add all those things up, you find a big batch of Trump voters who it's a bit counterintuitive. You might think these people who care about character, but it turns out policy, I think in this election specifically, policy mattered a lot more mm. than, uh, than character. Mm. Yeah. At least, at least in that way, uh, I think suburbanites. If you look, if you break down the demographics, I think suburbanites, especially suburbanite women, were turned off by Trump's character and then didn't end up voting for Biden. But he really was able to solidify his core constituencies behind his conservative politics. Yeah, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head there. It's it's being able to say, you know, I support because of this. But in truth, I mean, I don't know how much about that I actually believe. I know with a lot of evangelicals, uh, his anti-abortion stance that he just recently adopted since becoming president, which is just him pandering. And, and the thing with Trump is everything is pandering. I don't think he really cares about any of this shit. He just, whatever will rally his base, that's what he's going to say. That's what he's going to do. He had no interest in actually being president. He had no experience. He had no understanding of any of it. He just came out just swinging, just whatever I can get a rise out of people with, that's what I'm going to do, whether it's pro or negative. If, if it makes liberals mad, I'm going to do that. If it makes Republicans cheer, I'm going to do that. But I don't think he really had a stance on any of it. No, his it's brand of success and winning. <laughs> he's not really a winner. If you think about it, if you no. look at it, track record as a businessman, um, all his bankruptcies and the fact that he started with money and still ended up blowing a shit ton of not just his money, but other people's money. And that's where his success lies and taking other people's money, gambling with it, losing, filing a bankruptcy and then starting over again with other people's money again. I really have a hard time believing that true Christians can say, well, listen, hey, you're you're anti-abortion, so I can forgive everything else that you've done, everything that is just complete opposite, opposite of the teachings of Jesus uh, because of this one thing. I think ultimately at the end of the day, I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of people that hid behind religious beliefs or policy beliefs uh, to mask their true uh, leanings towards Trump, which are more rooted in hatred and ignorance. It was an int- it was a great day that Tuesday, the Wednesday. Sorry, the day after. It, it, it definitely was. Uh, it was our Wednesday and Thursday, and it was definitely a. Um, I was at a. Uh, we had a work drinks thing, so we we sort of you know obviously we have a lot of business in the US, so we have a lot of vested interest in this, and we had drinks and we sort of did a little party, an election watching party, and then we realized about ten minutes into it that there was not going to be any clear message coming out of this. So we kind of stopped watching and realized it wasn't going anywhere. Um, but it was the same thing. You know, I think you were the first one, I think, that messaged me, Brian, about, you know, the turnaround of the election. I sort of went to bed. You know, as I said, I only follow the uh, the number one rating, you know, sort of number one poll source, which is the betting sites. Mm. Um, and they were saying, you know, that Trump... And the funny thing is, it was easy money out there. And I didn't put my mm-hmm. money where my mouth Absolutely. was. Absolutely. The, the polls and everything <laughs> happened exactly how it was supposed to play out, that there was going to be on the day it was going to see that Trump was winning. Then, you know, soon after that, there would be, and as they got the mail-in votes that, you know, so there'd be this blue wave and that everyone just sort of was a fool to it and the betting sites followed that. So when you went to bed on on that first night here in, in Sydney on the Wednesday night, Trump was at like a twenty favourite and Biden was sitting at $354. That was easy money. That's what, you he know, in hindsight... I have one friend who decided to, to 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 lay out a decent amount of cash, but that was that was that was easy money, and um, it followed exactly how 
the the sort of webs the news sites had sort of said it was going to happen and then you woke up in the morning and it all sort of changed and then suddenly Kamala Harris and 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 Joe Biden were doing speeches and it felt it had an element of Obama in it it just had a, a bit of a like I think and I posted I posted a thing about I think it was it Van Jones the CNN yep and I think he just said look you know regardless where you are this is an easier day and I, it sort of hit me because as a parent as someone who's the leader of the free world if you will that the American people had made it easier to sort of say that character matters, that, you know, you know, being a good person matters. matters. Absolutely. I Maybe one I of the best speeches I've heard in a long time. That was, it was heavy. And the emotion was real. It wasn't a stage thing. I mean, it was a great sigh of relief. And you can imagine as an African-American man with children, um, as, as you, you know, <laughs> as I am. I mean, any anybody with children, but hearing it from Van Jones, um, you know, there's there's a few different Americas that we live in over here. And so that sigh of relief that maybe we can get things back to normal and, and quell the, the rise of hatred in this country. Uh, there was a lot on the line. It wasn't just about politics. So it's a better day in America. I mean, at some point he'll give up and, and hopefully he's dragged out kicking and screaming because I would love to see that. But, uh, but I would also, you know, if he just happens to just say, oh, fuck it and leave, uh, that would be great too, um, as long as he gets out and we can kind of start repairing the country. Uh, the culture wars are here to stay. They really are. Uh, the rights, the right wing's insistent on, insistence on an anti-media, anti, anti-consensus society siloed views things you only get the news that you want to hear that's here to stay in a a country that is still the leader of the free world that is still a beacon of democracy to uh, those countries less fortunate that is a dangerous time to be living in and uh, and and that's here to stay election uh, going the right way the the way we want it or not I think that's going to be a legacy of the last four years in particular. And even the last eight to 12 years under Obama, you could see the things trending that way. And, and uh, I, yeah, I mean, there's still, there's still, you know, almost 74 million. I mean, here's the thing. We also look at the votes. There were also still, what, 153, 154 million, over 50% of the population. Now, obviously, a lot of them can't vote, but like because of their children or something. But that's still a lot of people who still didn't vote. There were still 74 million almost who voted for Donald Trump. So the country is very much divided. It'll be interesting uh, to see how the Republican Party, how the GOP repairs itself, uh, because there's obviously an issue there because they did lose control of the party. It became the party of Trump. And there's there's quite a few people in the party that were willing to sit along for the ride uh, just for fear of losing their seats with his constituents or his base. But now that he's out, they're going to have to kind of rethink their entire strategy and find out, is this who they really want to be or do they want to work their way back to what the GOP was intended to be, which is definitely not where they are today. I think it's interesting to note that the Republicans did well in the Senate, in the, in the Senate elections. They did well in the House of Representative elections. The only one they lost, really, was the presidential election. Yes, that's the big one. But I don't know if they'll be so chastened on the uh, uh, down-ballot levels. So it'll be interesting to see if there is a reckoning with where they're going or, or if they'll just continue down this path. There's one thing for sure. Donald Trump's not going anywhere. He is still going to be around. He's still going to be uh, setting the agenda for the Republican Party. He's an ever-present Republican politics. And I think anyone who creates memes is probably going to be thankful for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, from a, <laughs> well, from a uh, content perspective. Yes. 
from my content go. perspective. There's there's definitely though there's another angle to this too, and and this will be interesting to see how it plays out. And and I think we may have discussed in the last podcast, I can't recall, um, but the ramifications of him being out of office and the whole Southern District of New York and the charges that are waiting for him as soon as he's out of office. So that will be interesting. I I don't as much as I want to believe it's so bad. Um, as, as much as little kids want a pony for Christmas, I want this so bad that he would be brought up on charges and found guilty and go to prison. I just don't see that happening for a past president, but the file, the charges will be filed at a minimum if he could at least be convicted um, and then he could not run for president again. That would be amazing. Maybe he goes off to a (laughs) private island. We never see him again, but he will have to be disposed of uh, in order for them to uh, repair the GOP because they are terrified of his base. They are absolutely mortified that if they cross him and he comes after them, that they'll lose their seat. So this is definitely a party that is putting politics over people and over what they were sworn in to do. Um, We've seen that over and over again over the last four years. It's sickening, um, but it's politics and that's how dirty it is now. It's it's pretty sad. Yeah, I'm just afraid that they can still win elections under Trumpism. They really can. So there's there's a fine line between reforming the party, doing the right thing by the country and moving towards a more bipartisan consensus politics or following the path of Trumpism and potentially still winning elections. And that's going to be an interesting thing to play out over the next two years before the next, before the 2022 midterms is going to see, well, how much does opposing Biden carry weight with the Republican election, electorate, I should say, and how much matters in terms of cooperating, bringing the country together, moving the country forward. One thing that's going to be interesting is to see how the uh, distribution of the vaccine plays out and how the economy responds to that. And whether the an uptick in the uh, in GDP and the economy will actually increase Biden's popularity because the economy is king among all, and whether Biden's popularity is indicative of a uh, more bipartisan consensus in Congress. Yeah, there's definitely like something about in this isn't just to the USA, but in Australia as well. There, there is certainly something to see said about the fact that politicians take on board the issues and errors that come from the previous administration. Mm-hmm. So Trump worked off uh, a lot of things that, you know, Barack Obama failed to do, which he felt was, you know, struggled with because of previous administration's failures. And it's kind of like the continuous circle of life in politics, isn't it? You know, Biden might actually be able to work off, you know, some of the things that were out of Donald Trump's control to become even more popular potentially or it could be the reverse so it's just that sort of endless cycle of politics and i do feel like it's i wouldn't want to be in that i don't know it's a lot of work i would rather play video games than have to try and do (laughs) the thing and have a bourbon you know biden will have his hands full there's no question i mean we're you know we'll be just shy of a year into a pandemic when he comes into office the economy is in shambles Uh, people are dying It, it is a big mess obama inherited a war, um, another horrible economy with you know some of our largest banks and and uh, auto manufacturers uh, potentially going out of business for good, and he was able to bring that back, <clears throat> and that's really what Trump inherited. He inherited a great economy, a booming economy. So when he talks about how much he's done with the economy, I mean, he really, if you think about it, what has he really done um, besides golf and start shit? Right. But. Oh. Uh, he, he's great. He tweeted amazingly. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, his thumb's got a lot of work. Um, he, uh, well, his son in law is uh, a very important part of the administration. Oh, yeah. uh, his whole family's, his whole family's in the administration. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's uh, in, 
the cause of nepotism has never been stronger. I always find never. that such a weird thing. Like that would just never fly here. Like the fact no. that like, it never flew here. <laughs> this isn't this isn't like something that we're just accustomed to. Oh yeah, let's bring in the whole family. Let's give them all cabinet positions. What the fuck? I mean, why not? No, but I think yeah. honestly, I think it's instructive that um, you're right, Brian. This that has never flown in America before. I mean, the last one was uh, JFK's brother, Robert Kennedy, who was the uh, Attorney General in the JFK administration. Yeah. And after that, they passed laws to prevent brothers and family members being appointed to cabinet. But it didn't matter. It did not Nothing matter. Lush, Mars, who cares? Just do it. it. What's going to happen? Because culture no. matters above all. Donald Trump is a, it was, is a leader of a, I don't want to, I sound very partisan here, but he is the leader of a cult. And, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and that matters more than the nuance and uh, individual legislation and politics. It just matters. And that's the funny thing about, that's the thing, I, you know, if it was like, if it was, and I'm saying this because I've been watching Star Wars recently. Mm-hmm. If it was Harrison, <laughs> it was Harrison Ford and his family. I'd be like, okay. Like, and you know, and everyone was really excited by it. Or if it was, who's a bit more, Who's a bit more right wing than maybe Harrison Ford would be? Who's a who's a oh, James Woods? Let's say James Woods. James Woods. James Woods. <laughs> if it was James Woods and his family, like James Woods is the is the president, and he's going, you might be okay. But there's, I just don't find anything appealing about the Trumps. No, they're no. they're they're strange looking, and I'm not. This isn't a podcast with physical <laughs> things, but they are all a little bit. <laughs> he's done some weird things with Ivanka before. It's weird. It's weird. I mean, it's bizarre. And that's the thing, like, I, I suppose it comes back down to, like, people who love Trump, no matter what. Like, I, I do get, and I'd love to have someone on, I, I really would love to chat to someone who, who is a Trump supporter. I just don't know that many and who sits on that side. And, and you know, if anyone's listening or would like to come on and talk about it, please, I'd love it to, because I don't really get it. But if you base your sort of opinions on, let's say, foreign policy, on Israel, stance of Israel, on certain things, on the stock market or whatever, and you like the fact of the like the things that you know this administration is set up okay that's one thing but if you like it based on i like trump which again i haven't found anyone who does anyone who i know who supported the republicans and so on still haven't told me that they like trump himself but for people who actually like the trump family anyone else does it not, not very likable similarities with cults <laughs> no i mean it like it, it does it's well tom cruise is very likable well tom cruise <laughs> I thought that's a valid point. <laughs> that is a very Maybe valid point. Is the Donald Trump of Scientology? It is. <laughs> but think about this, though. Think about this. I mean, what we're getting down to is the very d- different realities that we live in. And this is maybe the first time in my life that there are two different sets of. He was out saying that he had the largest crowd at his inauguration in the history of America. And we're staring at the screen going, no, you didn't. I'm looking at it. It's definitely not as big as Obama's. Uh, but he insisted. That it did, and this is when his um, coined the term uh, uh, "alternate reality." We're like, bitch, there's no alternate reality. There's just a reality. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, alternate so, facts. Alternate, alternate fact, facts. Yeah. That's yeah. what it was. Alternate yeah. facts. Yeah. And 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 since, so I mean, right out the gate, this is this is what we've had. Alternate facts. This is no such thing. It's such a load of shit. You think about how deep it extends. I mean, they shit all over Michelle Obama for wearing like a sleeveless dress. And there were so many jokes made about her and people just were coming at her left, right and sideways. And then Melania Trump becomes first lady, pictures of her naked all over the internet. And all they talk about is how much class she has. I mean, it's just, it's mind blowing, man. Choose it's your just... own reality and choose yeah, your own, yeah. oh, I like that. Yeah. Choose your own reality. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's so that's where we're living. It is that's the where we're living. Yeah. You In my reality, the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. No, but there right. is, it's funny you say that, Tristan, <laughs> because there is an element I think on Reddit or 8chan or one of those right wing streams where red pilling, yeah. that's what it's called, is a conservative mantra. It is wow. it is taking that reality to, uh, and treating it as fact. We must stop the terror. I call upon all nations to do everything they can to stop these terrorist killers. Thank, Thank you. you. Now watch this drive. All right. So I uh, came across something this week that I thought was quite interesting and worthy of discussion, and that is the New York Times came out with a list of the top 25 actors of the 21st century so far. And the New York Times, the Grey Lady, the Paper of Record, uh, A.O. Scott and Manola Dargis, who are the critics, the film critics of the New York Times, the doyens of the film criticism industry of the United States, came out with a definitive list of the top 25 actors of the 21st century. Just a, just a, just a thing here. I'm not going to reckon, I'm not going to know most of these people. Just well, I'm so not going to go through the whole list because... <laughs> There's a pretty good chance that I won't either. Give, but <laughs> there are some interesting entries in this list that I think are worthy of debate. And um, I just want to go through a few of them now. And look, okay. let's start with number one. Number one. Let's start with number one. Let's start with number one. Let's not forget 25. <laughs> I want to go straight to number one because... I think they're right. If you give it thought, if you give it thought, I think they're right. 20th century is, so that's beginning of, from 2000. From 2000 on. on. Now, so are the prequels in the... No, I'm sorry, the Star Wars prequels. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, Jar Jar Binks does not make an appearance on this list. <laughs> oh, discrimination. So, so there are real uh, flesh and blood actors who make this list. Number one uh-huh. is Denzel Washington. Absolutely, 100% agree. I would have made I, him my number I one. can't argue with it. I can't. No, me neither. No. I'm looking at Tristan right now, and he seems to... I'm just questioning, what, what's he been in? Well, Everything. Are you kidding century, me? He started off this century with uh, Training Day, of course. Okay. His Oscar-winning yeah. movie, Training Day. He's been an action star for much of the decade. Uh, Liam Neeson's been the star decade. of the action star of the well, 21st century. perhaps, perhaps. But Denzel Washington starred in uh, uh, The Equalizer. Uh, the equalizer uh, one two. and two. <laughs> Number two, equalize two. Uh, Man on fire. Equalize. No, no. Uh, equalize this. Uh, no, he he was in um, uh, uh, various Tony Scott movies, uh, and I think he, offenses. If you want to talk about uh, you know real acting as a you know as opposed to action acting, offenses. Um, Roman J. Israel I mean, Esquire. Honestly, I haven't heard of most of these things, Brian. But Brian, I think you're more on on board, right? Yeah, absolutely. Denzel is hands down one of my favorite actors of all time. So I I am happy with him at number one. All right, so we got a all right, we got a two to one vote. He he's got it. Well, Tristan, do you have any? I what is who would no, no, be no, keep your? Going, keep going. Keep I keep going. going. Okay. Keep going, well, keep fine. Going. Okay. Well, let's move Don't on to number. Don't put me on the spot like that. No, no, I wouldn't do that. Uh, let's look at number two. Um, Isabelle Huppert, a, a veteran of the French New Wave cinema. <laughs> no, honestly, I've never seen a single movie that Isabelle Huppert is in. <laughs> never heard of this person. Number three. Have you, number wait, wait, has, have you heard of her, Brian? Nope. So I, 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 would like, I would like it known that Tristan actually Googled Isabelle Huppert just now and spelled her last name as H-O-O-P-E-R, yeah. like Isabelle Hooper. Hooper. <laughs> and uh, that is not how you spell her last name. 
Uh, her last name is spelled H-U-P-B-E-R-T. Uh, I can't even go. Yeah, what y'all know about Lizzie Hooper? As far as we can with Isabel Hooper. Yeah, I think so that's, that's a number three. starter. Everyone's favorite dramatic actor. Uh, everyone's favorite method <laughs> actor. If you will. Thespian, if you will. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis. Ah. Uh, Lewis, who has been of this century, has starred in uh, There Will Be Blood, one of the great performances. Uh, Lincoln, a tremendous character performance, and Phantom Thread, another great movie. So uh, I can't look. I can't argue with Daniel Day Lewis. He he's he's, he's one of the great thespians. I'm, I'm I'm not gonna hate on the man. He's not my cup of tea, but he's got a decent body of work. So I'll say okay. My only take on it, I just don't. I feel like his movies could be longer. When I go to the movies, I mean, I want to bring a lunch. I want to settle in. A good four hours is good for me. Brian, what is your favorite Daniel Day-Lewis movie? I couldn't name one. Although Lincoln was a great movie. I liked uh, the one where he's the Irish bomber. Oh, um, yes, I do know this. In the name of the father. In the name of the father, of course. Oh, that was another good one. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, off the top of my head, I can't remember a lot of his work, but I do know I've enjoyed a good number of his. So I'm going to say, okay, fine, whatever. Any epic draining film that you've come out of of, that you've gone, wow, that was three and a half hours and it was great, but man, I'm exhausted. There's a good chance Daniel Day-Lewis was a star. Was it? (laughs) No doubt, no doubt. Now, um, uh, how come we're already at number three and we haven't even touched on De Niro, Pacino? Well, this I mean, is this century, you see. So, Robert De Niro is a good example. What has he done this century that would elevate him to the list to a top twenty-five list? He's become a, no, honestly, he's become a big part actor. He's become a, a, a cameo actor. Uh, nah. Century. Nah, I mean, they did The Irishman, which I, I think everyone can agree they could have cut that movie in half and it might have still been too long. No, I, sh- I agree. They should have cut it in half to about 7.5 hours. <laughs> that would have been, uh, that been uh, an interesting... Uh, no, no, These are some of the greats. Back These... the list because... All right, let's hit number four. Number four on this list. Number four on this list is really interesting. I could give you both. 20,000 guesses. I feel like we're doing the Seinfeld list when they go through the end. I think you're going to really like my number four. Okay. Okay. I love my number four. Because number four on this list, you would, I could give you an infinite amount of guesses. All right. Well, I'm not going to sit here with it. No, no, don't, don't guess. Don't guess. I'm just setting it up. I could give you a, an infinite number of guesses and you would not guess, but Manola Dargis and A.O. Scott, the doyens (laughs) of the New York Times and American film criticism have selected Keanu Reeves. Yes! Keanu Reeves as the fourth greatest actor. Did you listen to my last podcast? I did listen to your last (laughs) podcast. And Keanu Reeves, by consensus, this is great, is the fourth greatest actor of this century. Now, Tristan. This is great. Tristan, would you like to go into the oeuvre of Keanu Reeves? (laughs) It's quite a lexicon you're pulling through. Right. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like, you know, Brian and you were the Denzel Washington people, you know, yeah, you got DDL. 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 I've got Keanu. Okay. Firstly, he was in the Bill John, and Ted. John, Bill and Ted. <laughs> Let's start with it. Well, firstly, where do we start? I mean, do we start with Bill and Ted? There's so many places to start. Do we start with... Um, There's so many places to start, but it still ends up with him being a shit actor. I am sorry. He well, was one Brian, of the people that I was going to say, if please. he is on this list, then I am out. 
I, but here, let me say this because this actually just came up in conversation today. Swear to God on everything. I am such a fan of the man himself, him and his personal life and the cool things that he does. I think he is a dope human being as an actor. I find him mildly amusing. I think mildly amusing is an excellent description. <laughs> of the okay. catalog. All right. Firstly, okay. Firstly, he's got an incredible name. I said that in the last podcast, but yeah. I'm just going through his filmography and we're talking about the 21st century. So now not in the 21st century. So in the 20th century, we had Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. We had Parenthood, where he was incredible in both. We had Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. We had Point Break. We had Bram Stoker's Dracula. And look, to be fair, he played the same character in every single one of these films. Um, he's ever been in. He had Speed. One of the greats. Johnny Mnemonic, uh, Chain Reaction. The Did Matrix. you say Mnemonic? <laughs> Johnny Mnemonic. I always said it like that. Johnny Mnemonic. Um, the Matrix, unfortunately, was also in the 20th century, not 21st. So let's get into the 21st. Uh-huh. I like what you've done here. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to... He was in the Animatrix. Um, mm-hmm. Constantine, that was fun, wasn't it? It was a movie. <laughs> um, Constantine was fun. I'll give it fun. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, John Wick. John Wick. All right. Uh-huh. We need to talk about John Wick. Is <laughs> Keanu Reeves in John Wick a good performance? In traditional acting terms. It's superb. No. I, because... <laughs> Because I'm not sitting on this podcast and and dissecting his performance in the movie where he's venging a death of a dog. I'm sorry. I mean, that's deep, though. If you've ever had a dog, you know the pain. Yeah, that's true. If you have a podcast, what better use of that podcast is to dissect John Wick and Keanu Reeves' performance (laughs) therein? I have to say, just sorry, I look sidebar. I just have to say, when I clicked on the 2016 movie, Keanu, Starring Keanu Reeves. <laughs> it's the picture of the poster, which has um, uh, Peel and, um, was it Key and Peel? And yeah. <laughs> cat with a hat backwards. Yeah. And he, yes, he voices the cat. He voices the cat. <laughs> uh, and I have to be honest with you, I haven't really heard, apart from the John Wick films, yeah, that's, a, that's probably a bit of a stretch. I'll, I might give that. Okay. Perhaps I should. That is a long stretch. The rationale that would be good for including uh, Keanu Reeves in their top yes four. Okay, as number four. Wait, let me let me just say one more thing about Keanu Reeves. (laughs) If you told me that Keanu Reeves had never touched a, a drop of alcohol or took a puff of weed in his life, I would say he's a pretty fine actor. Uh, Well said. Short of that. Short of that. I'm not buying it. He plays the same character in every role. Now let's get into something even more serious. If Nick Cage is on this list, I quit. No, Nick Cage is not on this list. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, this century has not been kind to Nick Cage. Uh, <laughs> but I would like to talk about why no, Keanu Reeves made this list. Go. Let's get into it. So let me quote. I quote A.O. Scott and Manolo Dargis. Again, the doyens <laughs> of US film criticism. Like so much else in the 90s, the appreciation of Keanu Reeves in the first phases of his career was hedged with irony. It was too easy to make fun of the blank, earnest confusion that defined his characters in Point Break, The Devil's Advocate and The Matrix movies to project their blankness onto him, to suppose that his still waters ran shallow. (laughs) He was always in on the joke, though, and never entirely joking. In middle age, he has risen to a new level of achievement, 
a zone where artlessness and self-consciousness converge. He's one of our most credible action heroes and also one of our most resourceful and inventive character actors. He has weathered beautifully, becoming at once sadder and more playful without losing the otherworldly innocence that was there from the start. And to that, <laughs> Manola Dargis and A.O. Scott, I say yay. Yay. You are correct. Number four, the fourth best actor of the 24th century. Just having a look on his... Bravo. Having a look on his Wikipedia, like apart from those key movies which we just talked about, after basically The Matrix, they talk about John Wick, John Wick Chapter 2 and John Wick Chapter 3, as well as a Swedish television series called Swedish Dicks and his voice um, <laughs> in Toy Story 4. So I... Don't know if they've hit the mark with Tristan, this one. Tristan, are you saying you disagree with this list? I'm saying that I think Keanu Reeves is an incredible actor um, for uh, probably the first pre-21st century. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, potentially he isn't necessarily on the same. But we continue. Let me just say one more time, though, because I do, and I, and I mean this in the most serious way possible he is a dope human being so shout out to you Keanu Reeves don't really care for your acting but I think as a man you're the shit there it is yeah <laughs> good guy good guy Keanu Reeves good guy uh, I just love to talk dope about human being at the end of the day that's what matters. Perhaps we can talk about perhaps we can get into other actors that should have made this list um number five on this list was Nicole Kidman okay would require a whole other podcast to discuss but yeah she had quite a few things she's, she's been in good she's things been active. uh one of her best performances these last 20 years, I would say, as the mother in Lion, fantastic. Number 12, Joaquin Phoenix, who brings the acting into actor. Yeah. He yeah. is the method of method actors. Yeah, he was the Joker in the late, late He was night. the Joker. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable performance. Absolutely. Yeah, right, right? Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Tilda Swinton at 13. Uh, a Tilda who? You don't know who Tilda Swinton is. No. Oh, I thought you said Dilda. Put that out of the podcast immediately. Um, <laughs> number 22 is someone I want to discuss. Number 22 is Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> really? Uh, it brings a laugh to Tristan immediately. <laughs> Melissa McCarthy, a She's comedic right, actress. She? She's fantastic. Uh, her performance in uh, Bridesmaids, Bridesmaids, one of the great performances. Yeah. I honestly believe it is a great comedic performance. Yes. Uh, her She's funny. In Spy. A great performance. Yeah, it was good. Which which actually opens up a Pandora's box about how comedic performances fit in with dramatic performances. Because I think comedic performances are harder in a lot of ways. And she's done a good job. She has. In the 20... Well, in the, where, where's Kevin Hart on this list? Identity Thief. Good movie. The Heat. Very good, funny movie. I don't necessarily disagree. Yeah, I have no issue with her up there. I have no issue with her up there. I, uh, I've laughed, I've laughed at Melissa McCarthy. I thought she was fantastic in uh, The Third Wheel. I thought she was superb in Chicken Party. And uh, she was pretty wa- amazing in The Backup Plan. Now, I haven't seen any of those films. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I'm just reading them from the Wikipedia. But uh, no, I've got no issue with her there. Um, Brian, what, what did you say? You said you wanted... If we got Melissa McCarthy, then where's Kevin Hart? Is that what you asked? I, I mean, if we're talking about comedians, Kevin Hart's killing it, man. He's great. So <laughs> if you, honestly, if you, you could make if you're an just argument gonna, for Kevin Hart. You could look, make an argument for Kevin Hart. Absolutely, man. If, if you're going to take what you do on stage as a stand-up comedian and then just transfer that over, I mean, use the same shtick, the same faces, the same everything you do, and just do it in a role on a movie, then he should win something for that because he's funny as shit. I would I'm just suggest, and, and Tristan has just beat me to it, but I would agree 
with Tristan that Will Ferrell belongs on the top 25 actors of the 21st century. Think of his, think of his filmography, think of what he's brought comedically. I could make an easy argument for Will Ferrell being Surely. top 25. Surely. Yeah, I'd, I'd vote for that. But yet here we are and he is not. And Keanu and Reeves is. Look, if you look at the movies that he's made in the 20th, 21st century, uh, Old School was 2003. So I'm sorry. Zoolander was 2001. I'm sorry. Dude, uh, Daddy's Home. Daddy's Home 2. Anchor Hat Man. Daddy's Home, Daddy's home 2. The Daddy in here. <laughs> Daddy's um, Home 2. I'm sorry. That is funny as hell. Pro. Talladega Nights. Like, how is Will Ferrell? Not actually, how? It's actually. The body of work speaks for itself. Throw the list away. Throw the list away. It's <laughs> yeah. irrelevant if Will Ferrell's yeah. not on. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Daniel Lewis can go to hell because Will yeah. Ferrell belongs on this list. I'm playing under protest. So I guess it bring, I guess you know maybe this is a good segue for our next catch up. We'll uh, why don't we bring our own top ten mm. of the 21st century? Mm. What do you think our about personal that? top ten? Yeah, not necessarily mm. the best top ten, but our yeah. own personal top ten. Yeah, yeah, I'm with it. Um, yeah, because yeah, because obviously Brian's got he's obviously got Glenn Close, in Glenn there. Close, a wonderful actress, um, yeah, amazing. Yeah, Meryl Streep, mm-hmm. um, although Meryl Streep is very good. I anybody uh, that's I thought, ever been in a mob movie, I got him on my list. Brian, just out of curiosity, where would Corey Haim feature on your list? <laughs> um, are we talking about the top or the bottom? What was, what was the last thing he was actually in? Uh, Corey Haim, a child actor of the eighties. Uh, oh, death. Oh, I didn't know he died. Oh. Yeah, yeah I mean, not not to speak ill of the dead, so but... You might want to edit that out of oh. the podcast. Ooh, that's awkward. That's awkward. <laughs>